Good morning, SCC. How are we doing today? Good. How many of you are enjoying this up and down spring weather? Uh, as Irene's uh, clued me in, I'm wearing a spring shirt. So this is just a confession again. I have not been praying for the snow. Even though I love the snow, I, I'm kind of starting to join you. Just give me some sunshine. All right, give me some sunshine. I enjoy that because I'm just going to be honest. When I want it to snow, I want like two meters. Just, just give me a bunch. Just give me a bunch. It's like going to the grocery store. I can't just buy one chocolate chip cookie. I have to buy a box. Uh, oh, uh, I just I forgot I had this on because I was greeting this morning. Uh, Pastor Eddie mentioned that we have these Easter cards. We bought 250 of them, so please don't just take one. Don't just take five. Grab a stack. Just take them all out because after the Sunday, can we use them again? No. So please just take them all. Just start passing them out. Leave them. If you go to a restaurant, leave them uh, you know, on the table. Invite the waitress, waiter. You know, invite your coworkers. Just say, hey, join me for Easter, and then just keep going. right? Because that's, that's what Swedes do, right? All right. No, not really. But just just invite, just invite, because as we've said, this is the Sunday that typically most people will go to church on, a, on Easter and on Christmas. So just take advantage of it. You know, it's there for you. It's the, the fruit is ripe for the picking, so just take advantage. Today, anybody know what is special about today? Pastor Addy mentioned it. Palm Sunday, yes. And Eddie, we're not in Africa, so you have to wave evergreen branches. Okay, we have to go down to the pine trees or the birch trees, and we just we can lay those down, right? No, the Middle East did, did not wave evergreens on the kings and the pharaohs, did they? They didn't wave those. Has anybody ever tried to fan themselves with an evergreen tree? It just doesn't feel so good. That's why the Swedes take a bundle of the sticks and just beat them, beat themselves to cleanse and, and draw out the impurities for the sauna. So they use it for cleansing themselves, not for fanning themselves. So yes, we would love to just lay out branches because it is Palm Sunday. So we're going to talk about Palm Sunday today and the significance of what Palm Sunday is and the, the people that were gathered. But anybody like uh, some trivia? Any trivia fans out there? Okay, I see a few hands, and I hear a few yeses. Did you realize that, so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the Gospels, the beginning of the New Testament. They're the recorded stories of Jesus' life, okay? So those Gospels really focus on the last seven days of Jesus' life. The book of John, it's over, it's 50% of the book is dedicated to the last seven days, Jesus lived 33 years, about. He was in ministry for three full years. Yet these gentlemen focused heavily on that last seven days, the last week. One, one gospel, it's a third. Another gospel, it's three-fifths. And the, the, the fourth one, it's two-fifths. So a significant majority of the gospel of Jesus' life is focused on that last seven days. They're recounting, they're telling the stories that they have. So it should tell us as followers of Jesus, there is significance in the life of Jesus. Not just all of it, but really, especially those last seven days. There's a lot that Jesus had that he unpacked for his disciples. 
So today our reading is in John chapter 12. It's going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to bounce around a lot. So this morning, to, to help with that process, I'm just going to read John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. We're going to go all the way through verse 19 for those that are taking notes. It says this, The next day the great crowd had come for the festival. The great crowd that came for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! It said they shouted, so. (laughs) Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he had called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people heard they, uh, many people because they had heard that he had performed this sign went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we just, I just ask that, that the words that I say this morning would not just be because it's from my studying and, and my thoughts uh, and just listening to others, but Lord, that it, it's because it's what you want for us today. So Lord, let it be your words that are spoken, your words that are encouraging, your words that are challenging, your words that are inspiring us to fall more in love with you. So thank you, God. I ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Palm Sunday, for some history, is fell on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, not the car, but the Jewish calendar. Nisan, which is a Jewish calendar, it was the day that the Jewish families would pick out their sacrificial lamb for Passover. It's pretty interesting to note here that this was the day that Jesus made what often is called the triumphal triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Passover was a holiday, a a festival that the children of Israel celebrated what God did for them in bringing them out of Egypt. If if you grew up in Sunday school or you've read some of the, the beginning of the Bible in Genesis or you've heard some of the stories, you've heard about the children of Israel, how God used Moses, a guy that was born to a Jewish family that was set for, uh, put in a basket on a river because Pharaoh was trying to kill all the babies of the Jewish families, and the princess found him and raised him up as her own. He ended up hurting a, a, an Egyptian Uh, And he ran away from the kingdom for for several years, 20, 30, 40 years. And yet God came to him while he was tending sheep in the mountains, in the desert, uh, in, in a miraculous way through a burning bush and said, Moses, I have chosen you to set my people free. Now, some side notes, thing that I really laugh about oftentimes is Moses said, you know what, God, I don't speak very well. I have a stutter. I stutter. I don't talk very well. God's like, dude, why are you complaining? Okay, fine. I'll uh, get your brother Aaron. He's really good at conversating. Choose him. He'll, he'll go with you. He'll, he'll speak for me. But then if you actually read the story, Aaron didn't really do any of the talking. Moses did. You know, excuses. It's just kind of funny to me. 
but God used Moses to set the people free, and God, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, hey, dude, it was his brother, half-brother, or foster brother, if you want to get technical, of the time, and he said, bro, we, God wants his people to be set free. Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So then God ended up sending 10 different places because Moses went to him 10 different times, set God's people free, set God's people free. There's locusts and different diseases and all kinds of things that happen. But the last plague was what we call the Passover, where God said, I'm going to send the angel of death to kill every firstborn among the entire nation. If you want your child spared, you must place the, sacrificial, the blood of the sacrificial lamb across your doorway. So a pure, spotless lamb. This is also a, a representation or a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, that a lamb, a pure, holy, pure and white, blameless, without blemish spot lamb had to die its blood, then put over the doorway. So the angel of death would pass over your house. So these children of Israel are celebrating this Passover that God saved them. And that was the last plague, the last incident that caused Pharaoh to set the people free. And yet then as you read the story, Pharaoh got, got mad and upset and chased after them. So Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea and then the Red Sea collapsed upon the Egyptians. So they're celebrating. This is a festival, a remembrance but in reality, with Jesus' time, this was almost 2,000 years had passed between that time. And so with this, with this celebration, living close to Jerusalem, since Jerusalem was the hub of the, of the Israelites, if you lived within a certain radius, you were required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover. So with this tradition and the, the, spe, the specification that God laid out, this sixth day, or the, sorry, the tenth day of the month of Nisan, that with this Passover was the day that all the families would go out and pick their sacrificial lamb that they would then sacrifice for the Passover. Incredible metaphor and symbolism that Jesus Christ was, as we know, our sacrificial lamb. He gave his life, his blood for us. That was the day that he presented himself to the people to say, this is the day. My hour is coming. If you read the Gospels and you read the accounts and stories when Jesus did his miracles, he often said, shh, don't make news about this. Don't make a fuss. My time is not yet. Don't reveal this. But this day, this moment, was the moment that the switch was flipped. And she said, it's okay. It's time to proclaim, I am here. I am making my way in. So in verse 12, we look at it. It says, the next day, the great crowd had come from, for the festival, had heard that Jesus was on his way. So imagine this, 2,000 years had passed. I mean, some of us in our families, we have traditions and things that are passed down from generation to generation. There's the story of this young girl that was wondering, why is the Easter ham, why is the Easter, why, mom, why do you cut the ends off the Easter ham? And the mom said the, to her daughter, you know, honey, I, I don't really know why. Ask, your grandmother taught me, ask her. So this little girl goes to grandma and says, grandma, why do we cut the ends off the Easter ham? Grandma goes, you know what, dear? Don't really know. My mom taught me to do that. So, you know, great grandma's here. Go ask her. 
And the little girl goes up to great-grandma. Great-grandma, great-grandma. No one can tell me. They say, you know, why do we cut the ends off the Easter ham? Great-grandma goes, well, because our oven was too small to fit the ham in as I grew up. Funny little story, but we all have traditions that are just kind of passed out. And we just kind of, sometimes we just go along with it because we don't really know why or hasn't been taught or told to us. So then at times there can just become a, a, a complacency. Maybe, maybe this little girl didn't find out the solution, but just one day goes, yeah, I'm not going to cut the ends off. That's just, just a weird tradition. I have plenty of space in my pan. I'm just going to put the ham in. I can imagine that this crowd, these children of Israel, had gone complacent or there was a staleness to celebrating this tradition. They've been doing it for thousands of years. And yet these folks also knew and understood that the, the Old Testament, their prophets, had said there's going to be a Messiah that is coming to set them free. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, you realize the children of Israel did a lot of things that were just not very smart. And because they kept doing these things that were not smart and God was trying to turn them back to him, turn them back, turn them back, he had to use the nations around them to try to bring them back, but they just didn't. So they fell in, became enslaved to these nations. They became under rule for, from various nations. So at this time of Jesus, they were under Roman occupation or Roman rule. So these folks were just kind of tired of paying taxes to someone they didn't like. So they were growing weary and complacent of a tradition. When is our Messiah coming? Man, we've heard these stories about this Jesus. He's doing all these crazy miracles. Yes, we have all these rabbis, but this rabbi is different. This man's a little bit different. He's actually doing things. Is this the man? Is this the one? So at this moment, they're like, you know what? This is the guy. So this crowd gathered together. Said, this is our Messiah. He's going to set us free from the Romans. But it's interesting as we individuals, we think God's going to do one thing because our minds are just so focused on what we want instead of what God wants, listening to his voice. So in verse 13, it says, they took palm branches and went out and met him shouting. The crowd had heard the stories of Jesus, we read. This crowd had been with him. If you read a little bit earlier in chapter 12, it says that they were with him the night before as well. They believed him to be the Messiah, so they set about to recognize him as such. It's like, all right, we've picked the man. We've picked the leader. We're going to put him up on that pedestal. They gave him the royal treatment, laying down palm branches, and even in, I think it's in Matthew, it says they even laid their coats down. To pave the way. It's like rolling out the red carpet is essentially what they were doing. And we see that this is a royal treatment from 2 Kings 9.13. So this wasn't just some harebrained idea that, hey, let's grab a, a branch from the tree and put it on the ground. But they had intention and thought through this process. This guy, we are going to set up and say he is the king. He is the Messiah. So they began shouting again. You ready? Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! So they just kept repeating that. I'm not going to today. But Hosanna means this. It means save now. 
So they were basically shouting to Jesus, Save us! Save us! You are the king, so save us! It's like they were putting their vote behind him. It's like they went to the ballot box and said, Yes, Jesus, he's the man, he's the one, put him in office. Set us free, Jesus. They were so desperate for their salvation that they wanted to be free from the oppression and tyranny of Rome and to choose their own way, their own government. Yet they, so they echoed the prophetic words of the psalmist in Psalm 118, 25 through 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Yet these people also failed to realize Jesus, Yeshua, his name means salvation. They were asking for Jesus to save them, and Jesus was saying, I am here to save you. But it's not the way that you think. You want political freedom, but I have come to set you free as an individual, to set your spirit free. Because don't you realize back in the beginning when Adam and Eve made a mistake, they destroyed and broke our relationship. I don't want that for you anymore. Jesus came to break the bonds of that broken relationship and restore, yet these people were so ingrained in this is what we want, how we want it, the way we want it, that they weren't really willing to step outside and see Jesus for who he really was. I mean, sometimes we as individuals can get so set in our ways. I know that I can. I'm just so focused on a project or a task, and my wife gives me some, some advice on how to handle it, and, it's, and I just don't listen. I don't hear because this is how I want it to happen. And then yet, some miraculous way, oh, Angela, this person told me I should just readjust my thinking. And she's like, yeah, Brandon, I've been saying that the entire time. But I've been so stuck and focused on what I want and so used to the voices around me that I don't stop and step back and say, okay, she's trying to help me understand. I need to listen. I need to put the pieces together. Hosanna, save us. Jesus, salvation. And then it goes on. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on the colt, donkey's colt. Again, another prophetic word from the Old Testament, hundreds of years earlier, that shows and proclaims Jesus is fulfilling the law. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy that was said about him. The people wanted this conquering king. They were so consumed by their desire for the future that they did not see the reality that was set before them. The small truth, Jesus came in on a donkey, not a horse. In Middle Eastern tradition, kings would ride in on a horse when, there was, when it was during the time of war, or when they were headed off to war. But when there was peace or they wanted to proclaim peace, they rode in on a donkey. This was not just by chance Jesus rode in on a donkey. There was a specific reason Jesus was there for peace. He was not there to start a revolution. He was not there to overthrow a government. He was there to set people free and to give them the peace, eternal peace, that they just didn't realize they needed. 
We also can see the reference with Jesus riding in on this donkey in, in the name of peace to the angels in Luke 2.14 said this when they came to announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest heaven and are on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus was about peace. He wanted the people to understand the freedom that he brought for their lives. Not just for the political movement, not just for the socioeconomic movements, but for them individually and spiritually. Because out of the inner person comes the wellspring of life. From within inside of us, if we can find the peace inside, then that peace will begin to flow into other parts of our life. It begins to flow into our work life. It begins to flow into relationships that we have. It begins to flow into our parenting. It begins to flow into how we interact with, with the kids that we teach or the coworkers that we have. If we have internal peace, it flows out. But yet if the, it's peace in the government, there's not always peace in the individuals within a government. We also see that, that part where it says, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming. That's the prophecy from Zechariah 9, 9. If you want to just write that down. So as we read this account, we notice that there are several individuals that are a part of this story. So I'm just going to take it in reverse today. This is our application for today. There, there's people that are involved. So in verse 19, it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is, the, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. These folks valued their religion. They valued their traditions. They valued their customs, their processes. They were unwilling to accept someone from the outside of their scope and thought process. There was a clash between the old and the new. Religion, their way, says you can't do this, you can't do that. But Jesus said, I've come, so you can do. Religion, they were putting up barriers. You shouldn't be doing these things on these days or at this time. But Jesus says, you know what? I've come to break down every barrier that is in your life. They say you must work your way towards life in heaven. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They said, you must do something. And Jesus says, I have already done it for you. Church, do you find yourself sitting there and putting up barriers because this is just a religion to you, just a, a mundane, a Sunday afternoon, something that you do? Or is this a faith and a relationship that is inside of you that you allow him and the Holy Spirit to speak life and freedom and peace to set you free to tear down barriers to affirm he has already done it for you we also have the crowd some of these crowds these people just heard the stories about what jesus has done some of us today we've heard stories maybe we've been in church a lot maybe we've been in church a little or someone's told us or we've seen youtube clips or tiktok or instagram we've heard stories we've heard preachers but it's not a personal experience for me i i grew up with a longing and a desire to go skydiving 
but I am terribly afraid of heights. Get up on a, even just a two meter tall ladder and getting up at the top, no, no thank you. But I do it. No thank you. But this youth pastor that I interned with, he, he, he got a certi- certification and the guy, the host family I stayed with, he also had a certification. So I heard the stories of what it was like to jump out of an airplane, the freedom, the exhilaration, the thrill of jumping out of an airplane. See, some of you saying, no, thank you. Keep my feet on the ground. But it wasn't until I personally experienced what it was like. I could watch all the videos. I could hear all the stories. I could recount someone else's stories. But until I personally experienced jumping out of an airplane, looking down 13,000 feet, and realizing, wow, everything's small. This is going to be cool. I had no fear at that moment. But it wasn't until I experienced it that I could say, skydiving is a thrill. Skydiving is something that I want to do. So once Elijah turns 18, I'm going again. So that's, that's the rule in my household. When, before Angela even said yes to getting married, she said, if, if and when we have kids, skydive all you want until we get kids. But from that moment, once the last one turns 18, that's when you can do it again. So silly me, we waited 10 years between Amelia and Elijah, so I just went from only 18 to 28 years, so oh well. But these folks had never really truly experienced Jesus' powers. They just heard about it. Yet we also see this crowd that was also with them. These folks had seen it. They, they were there and watched Jesus walk up to the tomb, as we, I mentioned the other day, and Jesus said, Lazarus! Come forth. Just imagine standing. What is he doing? Not only crazy rolling that stone away because it's going to smell so bad, but Jesus yells or speaks into this void. Lazarus, come forth. King James. They saw Jesus do this miracle. Yet we also see that there's a group of disciples. Verse 16, it says, Now at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. There's a difference between seeing and hearing and being a part and witnessing the miracle to actually allowing the miracle worker to change your life. That was the difference between that second crowd and the disciples. The disciples were just like the rest of them. If you read further on into into the accounts, all these guys but one left and abandoned Jesus the day that he died on the cross. All of them left. They all still got together after Jesus had died. They were still together and they, they realized, and we'll talk more about this next week, when Jesus actually showed up, you mean this wasn't just a story you weren't just talking Jesus you're real I mean we call Thomas the doubting Thomas because Thomas said not until I put my hands in his hands and feel the holes will I really believe that what you guys are saying he wanted to experience the resurrection of Jesus 
for himself. These disciples realized that, church, we have to move from people that hear the stories and actually won't even see the stories to people that say, these stories are going to impact my life and I will move forward. I will not just wave these palm branches and lay down my coat and then four days later say, crucify him! But I will allow the death and life of Jesus to impact my heart and my life. That it's not just something I do on a Sunday, but that is, as we say, Sundays here make Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and next Sunday better. Because it's what Jesus is doing inside of me. Because I'm allowing him inside. So this morning, church, I got to ask you, are you just allowing your religion to put up barriers? Are you just listening to stories and not allowing Jesus in to have and begin a relationship? Or are you just saying, all right, today I surrender. I've ran away from the cross. I ran and abandoned Jesus, but no more. Today is the day that I say, okay. I reaffirm, I push forward. I begin a relationship with Jesus. That's all Jesus wants from you. He wants a relationship. And then in the Old Testament, when, when, the, when the priests wanted to go visit God, they had to tie a rope to themselves with some bells on it and then enter through a very thick, a two meter thick curtain to get into God's presence. Imagine two meters worth of fabric to just to try to press through and get through. Yet on the day that Jesus died, when the when he, when he breathed his last breath, the very next line in the Bible says the curtain was torn in two. The barrier that separated you and I from having a direct one-on-one relationship with God was broken down and removed permanently. So I just want to encourage you, begin to investigate, if you have not already, what a relationship with Jesus is. Just because you start a relationship doesn't mean that you're fully invested, but you can explore. I mean, we as human beings explore relationships all the time, sometimes in, in weird and perverse ways. But we, we meet people, we have a cup of coffee, we realize, okay, this doesn't work. You know, we may have a few things in common, maybe because we're from the same country, but that's about it. And you just don't get together again. I've had those experiences here. But Jesus wants to show you who he is. So I, I encourage you and challenge you, give him a moment today. Let him show you who he is. So I just want to take this last moment. Let's just, everyone out of respect for each other around us, let's just close our eyes. This morning, you may say, hey, I, I just do things. I, I go through the process. I go through the norms. I understand what religion is, and so I know how to walk the walk and talk the talk, but it's not my life. This morning, I want Jesus to be my life. I want to move from religion to relationship. If if that's you this morning, I just ask that you would just simply acknowledge by raising your hand and say, yes, Pastor Brandon, that is me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I'm here or I've heard stories about Jesus. I don't know who he is. But, you know, yeah, maybe I don't want to fully commit to relationship, but I I at least want to just have a conversation with him. I want to hear who he is. I want to have him speak to me. If that's you, raise your hand. Father God, we come to you this morning. God, I pray for those that are here today that say, you know what, Jesus, I I need I need to shift gears. I need to move from just doing the process of religion to investing in the relationship with you. Lord, I pray that that you would, in your way, Holy Spirit, speak to them. What is it that they need to shift? What is it that maybe need to change, whether it's 180 degrees or maybe it's just a right-hand turn? But God, you speak to them because you know them best. You know them best. You made them. You, before they even began a relationship with you, you called them your son and your daughter. You said, you are my beloved You are my family. I choose you today. So thank you, Jesus. You will speak. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are right now revealing to those individuals that said, yes, I need to shift. You are revealing to them where they need to shift. Last, maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what? I need to make the full shift to go from I've seen it, I've witnessed it, but I need to really engage in this relationship. I've been doing it some, I've, I've been casually with Jesus, but I really need to put it in that fifth gear and really get going on my relationship with Jesus. If that's you, just ask that you raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are speaking to us today. Lord, thank you that you are revealing yourself in an even greater way today. Holy Spirit, I just just ask that you would speak to your people right now.
love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you bring peace for us. Help us to embrace who you are, not what we think you are, or just say, God, I want you to fit into this specific mold. all barriers and if we just let go we'll experience you in in ways that we never thought or dreamed we could have so thank you father thank you for your love thank you for your grace morning I trust the Holy Spirit has spoken to you I know he's spoken to me maybe if we can sing the song that I'm going to talk about for me I've had a, a really difficult few weeks I, with my, my thoughts my mental health I just I just really didn't want to turn to God some of it out of pride some of it out of I'm just upset with you God And I wrestled every day. When I just was feeling awful, I wrestled. I'm not, no, God, I'm not. God, just turn, just turn to me. Just turn to me. Bring me your hurt. Bring me your sorrows. Bring me your pain. Because as we sang today, he is a good, good father. I, I got a good dad. Some of you may not have a good father. Some of you may have a a stellar father that really is the t-shirt best dad in the world. But regardless of your earthly father, our heavenly father is, is the best dad in the world. And I need to this week stop throwing myself a pity party. Stop wallowing in my despair and say, all right, God, I turn to you. I feel awful, but I still turn to you. And embrace your peace or your truth or your freedom or your life or just your gentle correction upside the head. Brandon, knock it off. Grow up a little bit today. Oh, yes. All right, God. Because he is a good father. So that's what he spoke to me today want to encourage you after we sing this song I'll come up and close one, close us out but when we go to our Fika time I just want to encourage you to share with someone what did God speak to you today alright so lead us in that song one more time